Uh, thank you, Marilyn, uh, for that reading. Friends, uh, let me pray for us. Uh, Heavenly Father, we do want to thank you for your goodness and your love. And Father, as we think about your return, Father, we pray that you'll help us this morning through your word, through your spirit, to be more prepared so that we might be faithful and wise at your coming. And we do pray these things for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Well, how is the world going to end? How is it going to end? Uh, will it be the leaders uh, through a North Korean, a Chinese, or a US or USSR, will they hit the nuclear button and start a war that they can't finish? Maybe, maybe COVID-19. There's been so much uncertainty and economic disasters uh, throughout our world. Could there be another pandemic? Could it be even worse? Then throwing climate change, global warming, and the scientists are predicting there will be a huge amount of trauma placed upon our earth. Unseasonal rain, floods, high temperatures, which will cause fires and so on. Even in our world today, there's volcanic activity, earthquakes that may destroy, uh, we may be destroyed by an asteroid or by a, an interspace collision. Folks, the end of the world will not come accidentally. It will not come accidentally. Everyone will know the time when Jesus will return and Jesus is the one who will usher in the end, the judgment day, the resurrection day, the last day that many people will dread. Well, the disciples are not unlike us. Uh, they, were, uh, they were amused and they were curious about the end of the world. When will it happen? How will it happen? Who will be responsible for the end of the age? And so Jesus launches into this apocalyptic literature which is really lit literature concerning the end times. And the first thing he talks about is the beginning of the end. And uh, in some of those verses, Jesus says, nations will rise against nation, the kingdom against kingdom, there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. And so Jesus is saying just before that, there will be false teachers that will be claiming to be the Messiah. They will even be performing miracles. Uh, there will be wars and famines and all that type of stuff, epidemics, uh, uh, persecution of Christians. Many people will die from the uncertainty and dangers of life. There will be worldwide chaos. Families, we are told, will betray each other. There will be lawless, lawlessness, great evil. And looting, and amongst the terrible times, there will be the preaching of the gospel to challenge people to repent of their ways. And what Jesus is saying, these are like the birth pains, the beginning of birth pains. Now, those of you who have been pregnant will know exactly what I'm talking about, and I certainly don't know what I'm talking about. But I gather there is, you know, there's breaking of the waters, and then there's contractions, and, and there's a, yellow, a lot of yelling and screaming, is that right? And then a big relief, and then the baby will come. Um, I'm not looking at Debbie uh, with all the yelling and the screaming or anything like that. But you know what? Jesus is saying all these things are the beginning of the end. And in fact, he's saying they are happening now. Just look in the news. 
Just look in our world and there are earthquakes. There are all these things that Jesus has mentioned. They are the signs, friends. They are reminders that everything in our world is not okay. And when we see a disaster, when we see volcanoes, when we see all these type of things mentioned, they are reminders. The end is near. They are the beginning of the birth pains. Then Jesus digresses. He talks about the end that the disciples will experience and he talks about Jerusalem's end uh, in verse 15. So when you see uh, standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And here is Jesus. He's not talking about the ultimate end. He's talking about in their time. And uh, he talks about the destruction of the temple and the disciples. They will experience this very soon. And notice there he talks about the abomination that causes desolation. And this is a reference to Rome. And because Rome was such a powerful nation, a powerful kingdom, anyone that spoke against them would be tortured. And so they had a nickname for Rome. This very word, the abomination that causes desolation. And so they used a name for all the readers. And folks, just like in the Old Testament, God can sometimes use the other nations, heathen nations, to bring about punishment, to bring about discipline. But then he gets back to the end. Who will bring the end? In verse 23 or verse 30 there, then he says, Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and when all the peoples of the earth will mourn, they will see the Son of Man coming down on the clouds of heaven with the power and great glory. Yes, there will be false teachers claiming to be the Christ. There will be a lot of confusion. But Jesus says it will be unmistakable when he returns. In fact, he says, all people on earth will know that the Son of Man has come at the same time. Folks, I don't know how this is going to happen. But what a day. I mean, we know half our world is asleep while we're awake. When Jesus returns, somehow everyone's going to know about it at the same time and bring about the end of the world as we know it. In Daniel chapter 7, there's a vision that the Son of Man will be coming down on the clouds and he will bring the end times and he will establish his kingdom that will last for, for eternity. And it puts, you know, China and the US superpowers into perspective. You know, they, their kingdom might last 50, 60 years, but Jesus' kingdom, folks, is eternal. Yes. It's eternal. Think how long eternal is. And the Son of Man was Jesus' favourite saying when he was talking about himself, because it was prophesied, like in Daniel, uh, and all the Jews knew the Son of Man would be God's greatest leader. And so when Jesus teaches the Pharisees, when he's teaching people, he's, they know exactly what he's talking about. The Son of Man. He said, How dare he call himself the Son of Man? Here is King Jesus with all the authority of heaven itself, who is elected by God the Father, who will reign eternally, and he is the one, not the world powers, he is the one. Who will, bring, uh, who will end the world with all glory and power as we've never seen before. What a great day that will be, eh? 
not China, not Korea, not the US or the USSR, not the Terminator, not all Arnold Schwarzenegger, any of those guys, folks, it will be undeniable. Jesus will return. He will usher in the last day and bring about judgment upon the world. But when will this take place? Verse 36. But what about the day or hour? No one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As in the days of Noah, so it will be the coming of the Son of Man. You know, when you're talking about the end times, everyone wants to know when. When's this going to happen? But basically Jesus has one wrong question here. He in fact says, no point asking me. I don't even know. And folks, if there is one thing that Jesus doesn't know, this is it. He knows he's coming back to judge the world, to, end, to, to bring about judgment day. But he doesn't even know when. And then Jesus cites Noah as an example. The people in Noah's day were just doing their own thing, eating, drinking, marrying and so on. And then, without warning, the floods came and took them away. And Jesus is saying, that's how the end times will happen, when you least expect it. And then Jesus uses a second example, like a thief in the night. And he talks about a thief. That, that, that they, you would never expect a thief to come. Debbie and I have been robbed uh, four times uh, in, in, in a reasonably short amount of time. Uh, any of those people who have been robbed? There's not many. You must live in Camden or somewhere. Where it's safe. But folks, you know, those of you who uh, have been robbed, you, you know it is a, it's an awful thing and you never expect it. And we actually got robbed for three times from the same place and we all... You know, we nailed windows up and that didn't stop them. Even the church was robbed some years ago when we were here two, I think two years ago. One week they sold the PA and before the service I had to race back and luckily I had some gear and I set it up. And then a month later uh, they stole the uh, communion cups and they stole the wine. And, uh, and I remember Peter, Peter Haywood uh, came to me and said, Tony, we have no wine. I said, I'm not going to do a Jesus, mate. <laughs> and I actually I remember saying to him, I said, Peter, race over, because we used to live at the rectory, I said, race over the paddock and get a bottle of port and bring it back. I'm going to start the service because we were already late. And come communion time, Peter walks in with this big bottle of Galway pipe. And those of you who know your ports, it's one of the best ports. And I thought, you've got to be kidding you have to get that one. Couldn't you get the cheap stuff? <laughs> but I tell you what, people, uh, I was convinced people enjoyed having communion that, that very day, uh, drinking this Galway pipe. But folks, seriously, a thief comes when you least expect them. You keep watch over your property if you know a thief is coming. Now the thief's not going to text you, he's not going to make an appointment to rob your place. When will the end come? Wrong question. It will certainly come, but what's important is are we ready? Are we prepared? Because Jesus will come unexpectedly. And so then for a brief while he talks about how do we prepare for the end? 
And in our verse for the day, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for those for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Friends, when Jesus returns and takes his church up into heaven, he will sit on the judgment seat and he will judge us. Now, he's not going to judge us for our sins because if we're Christians, we have been judged already, haven't we? Yeah? We've been judged at the cross. Jesus has paid for our punishment. Jesus has died on the cross for our sins so that we can raise with him in heaven for all eternity. But he will bring us to account how we've lived this life. He will bring us to account how we have prepared by using our time. Christians will be rewarded for their service as they use their gifts. Christians should be living now in the light of them. Folks, let me ask you a question. If you knew today's Sunday, and if you knew Jesus was going to come on Friday, would that change your diary? Would that change the way you live today? Would you be ringing up people that maybe you're at war with, trying to bring about some sort of reconciliation? Would you be seeing your parents, your kids, your brother or your sister who don't know the Lord Jesus? Would you be begging them to come to him? Would you be owning up to your lies, your gossip, your slander or whatever the case may be? Would you be seeking forgiveness for those people who you've wronged? You know, John Wesley, uh, and I've mentioned this before, was a godly theologian in the 1700s uh, who founded the Methodist Church. And he was asked this very question. He was asked, what would he do different if he knew Jesus was coming at the end of the week? And these are his words, I quote, I'd go to bed to sleep. I'd wake up in the morning doing the work that God has appointed me to do. And then it goes on. And then he says, I'm living now as I want to be found then. Isn't that great? I'm living now as I, as I want to be found then. In other words, John Wesley saying, I won't have any regrets. Will we? John Wesley was a man with one eye in the past and one eye in the future. His eye in the past was that he was forgiven by the blood of Jesus. He was moved by the grace of God when Jesus died on that cross. And you know what? That impacted how we, how we live today and how we look forward to Christ. He was living now. Or living how he wanted to be found. Folks, looking forward to Jesus' return and understanding what that entails will motivate us to be faithful servants, will motivate us to be wise servants. I'm going to ask you another question. Do you need to make changes to your life? Are you ready? Are you ready for Jesus' return? You know, when Israel went into the temple, and the temple represented the very presence of God, they always underwent ceremonial washing. And there were, there were hundreds of various ceremonial washings, 
And it was a reminder, all these washings and all these little rules and regulations was a reminder that they had to be clean before they entered the presence of God. And ceremonial washing was all about being prepared to meet God in the temple. There were many ceremonial washings, as I've said, but the one that was probably the most important was uh, the mikvah. Uh, say that together. Mikvah. And then you know Hebrew, okay? And, and uh, that was basically a ceremonial washing that included just about your whole body. You would, they would wash their head. And, and that was a sign that they needed to prepare their minds. They needed to prepare their thinking, their understanding of the word of God before they spoke to God in prayer. They would wash their chest. And it was a reminder that they needed to have clean hearts, to love each other, to forgive each other, to be generous. They washed their arms and their hands as a reminder to prepare to go meet God. They needed to serve God in his temple service. And they even washed their feet to prepare where they should go. Folks, we have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Is that good? We have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and gentle to forgive us and cleanse us. That's why we don't have ceremonial washing. We've already been ceremonially cleaned by the blood of Jesus. We have the spirit living water in us. And who, 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 who makes us aware of uh, our coming into the presence of God. We prepare to meet God today, tomorrow, and on that last day. And just, folks, like everything, we, we prepare for many things. Some of you have prepared for your retirement, and uh, rightly so. Some of the young people are preparing to buy a house, and so they will save like crazy. As some of you are preparing maybe to have a Christmas uh, dinner. Who's having Christmas dinner at their place? Who's having prawns and lobster? I was about to say, well, invite me if you're going to have a prawns and lobster. Sometimes people prepare to keep fit and they go to the gym and so on. They do all those things in preparation, but they're not always that clue to prepare for the thing that is a certainty. Jesus will return. And folks, I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you as I encourage and challenge myself. Use your minds before Jesus comes in your learning, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Keep close to the word of God. Study it, learn it, love it, read it. Open our hearts to forgive, to love people, to be generous for the work of the gospel. Use your hands to be doing the work of the gospel, serving in God's church and exercise your feet to visit people with the good news as Isaiah says, happy are those who have a, a good feet because of the gospel. Folks, let us now live how you want to be found then when Jesus returns. Are you ready? Are you ready? Because Jesus is coming, ready or not. Folks, what are some of the changes that you need to make? And I, and I take it, we all need to make some changes. And why don't we just have a bit of quiet time?
bit of prayer time just between you and your maker. And, and make a commitment in your prayer, whatever you pray, that you are going to change and you're going to be more committed and prepared. Let us come. Let's bow our heads as we do that. Maybe we need to make changes with our minds, our thinking, and understanding of the Word of God. Maybe we need to make changes with our love for one another, our forgiveness, our generosity. Maybe we need to make changes in using our hands or using our gifts to serve God's church. And maybe we need to prepare going to those people who do not know the gospel. Heavenly Father, help us to be like John Wesley who was moved by the grace of God, who was moved by the cross of Jesus. Help us, Lord, not to be apathetic. Help us not to take for granted the grace you have given us in Jesus. And out of thankfulness and praise, help us to live the lives you want us to live. With one eye in what you have done for us in the past, and the other eye what you will do for us in the future. And we do pray all these things for Jesus Christ's sake. And the people said, Amen.